Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people, pervert the grace of God into sensuality, and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels, who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject the authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses... He did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thanks for just a chance to gather at the beginning of a week. Lord, thanks for your word. Lord, thanks for this church and the people in it. God, I pray that you just encourage us today through your word, as you teach us, protect us, just give us a greater love for you, and pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Facebook is only 15 years old. Can you believe that? <laughs> um, Twitter is only 13 years old. Google is 21 years old, Amazon is only 25 years old, and iPhone, uh, they've only been around for 12 years, and the first app that has come into the world was, is only 11 years old. So everything, much, much of, most of our things in our life, the things that dominate most, much of our life, Facebook, Google, uh, all these different apps, Amazon, the, the, these things that we constantly go to, they haven't been around that long. They're, they're, very, they're very short, but I don't even remember what I did in 1995 to try to figure out something. I, it's just, uh, we, or even in 2000, how did we survive without all these things? And, and our world is moving so quickly, so fast, that with all the great good that these things have brought, which they, they have advanced uh, human flourishing in many ways, they've also come with much evil and much suppressing of human f- flourishing. Jude talks a lot about history. And he's talking a lot about history in this section, and he's reminding us about history. He says, now I want to remind you in verse 4, although you once fully knew it. Someone said, in history, a great volume is unrolled for our instruction, drawing the materials of future wisdom from past errors and infirmities of mankind. And Winston Churchill is famous for saying, those that fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. With the pace of our life, 
which is just constantly, it's just a push. I mean, just how fast things happen for us. It's a push, it's a constant push that is, makes us forget often the positive stuff of history and the pain of history. But remembering history, Jude says, helps you contend for the faith and focus your life on God's goodness and grace and gospel hope, if you'll let it. If you will focus on the past and remember history, it's going to help you contend for the faith. It's going to help you make sure you don't leave and destroy and have your faith made a train wreck. Jude tells us to, to beware. He says there's, there's these people who have infiltrated. He says creeped in. They've kind of creeped into the church. He's writing to this great people that he loves. They've, they've creeped in, and they started teaching things that are contrary to the gospel. And he says, contend for the gospel. Contend for the truth because much is at stake. And he says, reject it. In verses 3, which we looked at last week, he said, reject it. Particularly, um, re, re, contend for the faith and reject anything that is going to be contrary to the gospel, which is salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And neglect and reject anything that's going to take gospel confidence away from you. That your life can be transformed by the power of God. That, you, that, that, that life is to change. You're supposed to be, become more like what God would have you be. He wants you to flourish and do it in a correct way. And so Jesus says, remember, and he recognizes. He says, remember, because he wants us to have courage to deal with false teachers. And he wants us to recognize, so we have caution to, to deny any opportunity for ourselves to become one. Because these were, these were people who had just infiltrated this church. They, they creeped in. They came in and they started teaching these false things and they were corrupting other people. We don't you don't want to be that kind of person. So he says, remember what history says and then re- so you can recognize false teaching and then resist it and have confidence that God will judge it and have courage to stand against it. Um, David Helms, a pastor in, uh, in Chicago, and he was talking to uh, this chaplain, Harry Roundtree, who's a part of the Good News Jail and Ministry Program in Ch- Cook County Prison. They were talking about the book, book of Jude one day and David Helm mentioned it, and Chaplain Roundtree said, the book of Jude, he goes, that's my jail book book. And David Helm said, what? He goes, that, that's, that's the book that I give to all the guys at Cook County Prison to help them get straight on all the different preachers who come in there, and all the different guys that come in, and all the different beliefs and systems that come in. He says, I, I give them the book of Jude. And I said, read, read Jude so that you can see and be straight on what the gospel is and have the confidence that how the gospel can transform your life. And that's what Jude's been doing. It's a persuasive book. He, he, he gave the first, he says, this is what, I want you to have courage. And then last week he said, I want you to have caution. And then this week he gives the caution by giving three examples and an illustration. Can you just say the word three? We never do this, but just have you do it today. Just say the word three. So when you, say that one more time. When you read Jude, uh, you'll notice, let that stick, he constantly uses things in three, constantly. He's constantly uh, putting three things together, and that's what he does. He's going back into history with three examples and then an illustration 
to help us. And the first thing that he would say to you and to say to us is he would say, reject unbelief. The first example, he says, now I want to remind you. He takes them back chronologically. He says, I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Here's the picture from the past. He's talking to this church, and he says, I want you to remember three historical events to help you fight against people corrupting your faith. And the first one, the most important one, is I want you to remember back in the people of God, when God, the greatest Old Testament event was the Exodus. The people of God were delivered out of slavery in Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea. It was a miraculous deliverance. The people got into uh, the wilderness and they started to live and wander and work. And then they came to Canaan and they were told, hey, go and, and, and scouted out and they sent 12 spies to go out there. 10 came back and said, um, I don't think we can take it. And Caleb and Joshua came back and said, we can take it. God's given this into our hands. But the people who had been part of the slaves in Egypt, had been, uh, who had suffered the persecution, had gone through the struggles, they, they, they heard that and they said, no, we, we, we're not going to believe God that he's going to get us through that. And they let unbelief come in and Numbers 14, 32 through 35 And Psalm 95 says that God said, because of your unbelief, you're all going to wander in the wilderness. And this whole generation that came out of Egypt is going to die in the wilderness. And they did. This group that Jesus, or the Lord, saved out of Egypt died in the wilderness because they didn't believe God. This group that you would think would have been like the, the prized kids and the prized, they would, have, they would have followed God all the way through everything. They didn't. They, they get and they hear this report and God kills them in the wilderness. He says, Caleb and Joshua, you, 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 you'll live, but everybody 20 and above will die. The ones who are in Egypt who'd seen, in many ways, the Red Sea. Because God takes unbelief very seriously. And that was the picture that Jude says, hey, listen, these these people that are coming in, they're denying that Jesus is the Christ. So the picture from the past is, hey, remember, even the, the blessed people who rescued, who were delivered out of Egypt, even them, even the ones who walked through the Red Sea and saw it all, when they didn't believe, they died in the wilderness. God's judgment was on them. So the point of it for us is to rejoice in God's past presence, but don't park on it. Rejoice in God's past presence in your life. I think many of you would say, you know, there's been times in my life when I knew God was with me. I mean, we, we prayed about something, we struggled through something, and God came through for us in a real powerful way, and I saw it happen. And if you're not careful... You can be like the people of Israel who'd crossed through the Red Sea. They saw the presence of God and they just parked on it. And they tried to live life with that past event. And when other struggles came in, they forgot who their God was. And they began to doubt and have un. 
belief. So rejoice. Don't reject unbelief by rejoicing in God's past presence, but don't, don't park on it. And reject the idea that your present problems means that God's not present. When the, when they, when the people were waiting for the 12 spies to come back, they were probably talking about what God done for them. He delivered us from Egypt. He's, he's got us through. This is going to be cakewalk. They, they heard about the big guys and the, and the big battle, and for some reason, they just rejected the idea that God's with them anymore. And they said, no, we're, we're not going to make it. We fight unbelief by rejoicing in the fact that God worked with us in the past, and you fight unbelief by rejecting the idea that this present problem that you've never dealt with before, the same God is available for to help you. The same situation. No matter what phone call you got this week, or what situation 2019 has been like, where 2018 was just great, and now 2019's been hard, and God's not with me anymore. It's not true. Reject that idea. Trust God, I was talking to somebody in our church this week who was asking all the questions that we all ask when we go through difficulties. Why is life this way? It's been a rough season for them. Why did God allow this? Why do I struggle to obey and follow God? And they were struggling with it. And we talked about it. And they they sent me an email the next day. And, and they said in their email, and I said, you nailed it. They said, trust. All this boils down to trust. If I have no trust in God, I have no trust at all. That's the key component to all of this. Will I trust a sovereign God with every part of my life? My biggest bold prayer is trusting God with my whole life. Is that what you're doing? It all comes down to trust. What, what Jude says is, be very careful against people who come in and deny that God's God, that deny the Master and Lord Jesus Christ, and, and they're subtle about it. And the way you reject unbelief is you remember where God's worked in the past, and you believe that just because your problem is difficult now, that it's the same God is present with you, and it's trust. And if you're struggling with trusting God, ask Him. Just ask God to give you the ability to trust him. Ask. Say, God, I'm I'm just struggling. Why is life this way? I don't know. I don't like it. Why did God you allow this? I don't know, and I don't like it. And why do I struggle to obey and follow you? I don't know, and I don't like it, but God, help me to trust you. Ask him. Just ask God and, and fight against unbelief. And the second example he gives He said, and the angels, in verse 6, and the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment day of the great day. And the picture of the past, which is somewhat of a difficult picture to see, because it's a hard passage to understand, is Genesis chapter 6, where it talks about the sons of, the daughters of men took wives with the sons of man. And many scholars believe that, that, that was, it's, this is what he's talking about. This time when the, the angels, certain angels who had fallen from heaven 
rebelled against God. They came down. And it says, and the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, they, they, they left their boundary and they tried to have relations with human beings. It's, it's, it's odd and it's weird, but it's in the Bible. And that's the picture that Jude is talking about here. It's like just, and, and, and the angels, and this is what happened when they left their boundaries, when they went after a different type, a different species. God kept them in eternal chains, under darkness and gloomy darkness until the, day, until the judgment of the great day. The, the picture of the past is, hey, the, the angels, it's, it's, it's cosmic. The angels left their reign, their, their boundary. They rebelled against God. They came down. They tried to dwell with hum, human women, and God judged them for it and has put them in, kept them in chains, even to this Day. So the way we reject falling away from our faith is to resist unbelief and to remain in God's boundaries for your life. Remain in God's path for you. This is what the angels did. They, they rebelled against God and it says they did not stay within their own position. And if we're not careful... We can just do this in our own life. We, just, we, we, we know God has us here. This is the, we know this is his purpose. If you're honest with yourself, you'd say, I don't like where I'm at right now, but I know this is where God has me in my life. This is, this is, where, he, this is where he put in my life. And you remain it. And you ask yourself the question you need to answer. Are you content and confident that God knows what he's doing with your life? Can you say, I'm content, I'm content, I mean, I like everything that's going on, but I am content and confident that, that God knows what he's doing with my life. He has me wherever I'm at for a reason. I'm going to remain in that path. I'm just going to stay there. I'm not going to keep trying to get out of bounds. There, there are people who you probably know, and, we, and I know, who have, they didn't remain in their lane. And their lives have become train wrecks. What's happened to the angels? The point of this, that's what he's saying. Remain in God's path for you and then respect God's authority over you. You might not like what you're going through. You may not like the situation that you're having to deal with, but, it, but it's, it's God over you. As a, as a follower of Christ, you are not your own, the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 6 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have been given from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So we, we need to stay in our boundary. Where's, wherever God's placed you, as hard as it may be right now, whatever the struggle is, if God's placed you there, remain in his path for you and just respect that God's got his authority over you and then make much of God while you're there. Magnify God with your life. Not like a microscope, but like a telescope. God has you in that situation so you can magnify God in such a way that other people will say, man, I don't, I don't know how I would be if I was in that situation. I mean, look what they're going through. Look what the struggles that they are dealing with. But, but, but there's something different about them. I mean, they believe God. There's still there's a true joy in difficult situations. And you magnify God with your life. Make, make much of God, which is why I harp on social media sometimes. As Christians, if we're putting out the same fears that everybody else is putting out, when people see our lives, we're not making much of God. 
Social media is a wonderful gift, but we need to remain in our boundaries, recognize the God's authority of our life, and make much of him in it. I mean, if we post things that make us look like we have no other joy than nobody else has, we've got nothing to show the world, but we have something greater than that. We can make much of God in difficult circumstances. We can remain under authority and still see that God is in control and rejoice in it. And then he gives him a third illustration. He says, remember the people that wandered in the wilderness and God judged them? Remember the angels who left their boundary and God judged them? And then he says, just in verse 7, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desires, serve as an example by undoing, undergoing a punishment of evil. He would say, resist immorality. Resist immorality. Here's the picture of the past. The destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah is mentioned over 20 times in the Bible. It is one of the most cataclysmic emphases that the Bible gives in the surrounding cities. Ezekiel 16 talks about the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. In Ezekiel 46, 16, 46 through 49, it says this, As I live, declares the Lord, your sister Sodom and her daughters have not done as you and your daughters have done. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She, has, she and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosper, prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and needy. And, they, and your elder sister who lived in lived according to their abominations. There was a self-indulgence with these cities. There was an unrelenting lust, it says, about the, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Someone says this, sexual immorality is the eager companion of an affluent society. And according to Jude, those who gorge themselves are heading towards God's punishment. The, the point for us is resist immorality because immorality will immerse you in misery. And it may not seem like it right away. It may not seem like it at all. That's why it's so destructive. It actually seems like a really good thing because it feels good. It's delightful. But it will, immorality will immerse you in misery. And immorality is this. Instead of describing everything that it is, here's what the way God described what immorality is not. Immorality is not... Anything that goes, and immorality is anything that goes against God's design for sex that's to be shared between a man and a woman in the confines of marriage. That's wonderful, that's good, that should be abundant, and that should be a great. Anything outside of that in Scripture, God says, any, any, that, that's, it's immorality. It's empty, and it will end in God's Judgment, that's what he says. He says, Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual morality and pursued unnatural desires, they serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. And he says, resist those things. Because these people that have crept into your church, this is what they've been trying to do. They believe that they can live however they want. They believe that they don't have to follow authority. They can live totally free, unrestrained, lust-filled lives, and God will forgive them because grace will be great for them. And he says, don't do it, and he wraps up his little sermon with this illustration. Verse 8, yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, they defile the flesh, they reject authority, and they blaspheme the glorious ones. And then Jude takes a well-known tradition of the people of Israel and these Jews that he was writing to, these, these people. 
this well-known little piece of literature that was traveling around called The Assumption of Moses that tells the story about Michael and the archangel, Michael the archangel coming down to, to fight over this, the battle, the body of Moses. We don't know if this is true, but it could be true because Satan is an accuser of the brother. And it could have been possible that Michael came to get Moses' body and accused and, and, and Satan came and accused Michael and said, how, how could you take Moses? He, he killed a man. How, how could you do that? How could God call him a righteous person? Because Satan is an accuser. We don't, we don't, we don't know. It's, it's possible. And so he uses this illustration. He says, hey, and when, when that happened, when Satan came and blasphemed God, Michael the archangel, he remained trusting in God. He remained recognizing that God's authority, and he relied on God. And the point is, we are to be like Michael. Be like Michael, the angel. Recognize and run to the strength of the gospel. The Bible says that angels long to look at what God's doing with human beings. They, they long to see how God rescued people, how Jesus died on the cross. They, they long to see this. It's, it's amazing to them that the gospel has that much power, that it can rescue people from their sins. And this is how we fight, and this is how you struggle against false teaching, and how you struggle against not walking away from God, is re- relying on God, trusting him, remaining where God has you in faith and resisting immorality. And, and, and as you do that, no matter what you're struggling with this week, as we do that, with all the darkness that Jude says, the reason we do it, because we have a good God. That Jesus loves you and he came for you and he rescued us. And as we walk through all these situations, it's true what Psalm 23 says. You'll find, if you do this, that the Lord is your shepherd and you shall not want. He'll make you lie down in green pastures and he'll lead you beside still waters. He'll restore your soul. He'll lead you in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you'll fear no evil because he's going to be with you. His rod and his staff is going to comfort you. He's going to prepare a table before you in the presence of his enemies, and he's going to anoint your head with oil, and surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, and you'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Resist immorality, remain where God has you, and reject unbelief, and know that God is with you. Who else can make